friend. Hey, Terry, I got the news for you. <laughs> that's, that's how that piece goes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Mark, you're the best. This is episode two of season two of the Simplify and Multiply show. And in this episode, I'm going to have a great interview with business growth strategist Mark S.A. Smith. If you are a solopreneur and want growing your business to be easier, welcome to the Simplify and Multiply show. Hosted by award-winning creative, business development expert, and tactical coach, Terry Pappy. The Simplify and Multiply show promises to become your practical, tactical, and motivational guide to succeeding as a solopreneur. Hey there, Solo. I'm Terry Pappy, and I created Simplify and Multiply to provide you a place where you can discover how to make your business more profitable. I'm going to do this by helping you remove the complexity from marketing and business development. So if that sounds good to you, listen in. I met Mark in 2018, and it was through Joel Block. And Mark is a force to be reckoned with. Let me just put it that way. This gentleman is so precise with his strength around business. And he's someone you really need to connect with and follow. Uh, he currently does a really good podcast called The Selling Disruption Show. Every single episode is, I, I'm always taking away something incredibly valuable. He also does a really good summit that is called the Executive Strategy and Leadership Skills Summit. And he does this a couple times a year through the Bija Company, uh, which is his company. And he really can deliver amazing results to entrepreneurs and business owners when they want to level up their business. And it's the important things because Mark's background is in engineering engineering and sales, and he knows how to package things and teach in such a way that everybody gets it. And he creates such a great warm atmosphere. I've seen him uh, do his uh, training a couple times, and I love where he's coming from and the energy he creates. And I don't know how he does it. He'll, he'll run a whole day and just like have all this energy. It's incredible. And in this interview, we talk a lot about this season's topic, which is dealing with fears and unknown in business. And he gives some really powerful, practical things that solopreneurs can do to deal with their fears and to really be smart about the choices that they're making in their business. So fear doesn't run their business. And you may have to listen to this episode uh, a couple times to get all of the gems that he has in there. I really hope you enjoy my interview with Mark S.A. Smith. Hey, Mark, how are you? It's so good to have you here. Thanks for being here. You're welcome, Terry. It's such a delight to be here. Let's do something exceptional. So let's go ahead and start and just give everybody some good context around how you got started in business and help us understand what your work is that you're doing these days. All right. Well, listener, like you, I got into business by accident, <laughs> right? All of us get into business because of something that happens. There's a crisis that triggers some kind of event. Either we get fired or we leave an intenable position all of those types of things happen. And, and for me, it happened when a pipe burst in my house 
And at the time, I was director of sales for a small software startup that had five founders, all of which had a very different direction they wanted to go. And of course, as a director of sales, that made things miserable. So a pipe burst. I took five days to fix the pipe. I wrote my first book. It was 5,000 words called 49 Ways to Be Your Best at Trade Show Selling. I went out and sold 13,500 copies of those on my own. Yes, I had little $3 checks flooding into the mail. <laughs> and of course, the idea was to trigger conversations to help people uh, about around their trade shows because I had built an expertise because that's fundamentally how we went to market with the software was went to, to trade shows. And, and so out of that accident, I decided that I could launch a company. I could be a consultant. I could go out there and help people and substantially improve their business. And along the way, I bumped into Orville Ray Wilson, who was a co-author with Jay Conrad Levinson, Mr. Gorilla Marketing. And, and I gave a copy of my booklet to Orville. He says, we need to turn this into a gorilla book. And that was really that path to the next level. And I was, I was part of the gorilla group for 11 years and teaching sales training and, and wrote another uh, gorilla trade show selling, gorilla teleselling, and gorilla negotiating. In those days, since then, I've, I've written another 13 books. And so along the way, it's always been about figuring out how to better business. How do we reduce the friction in taking what we have built with passion and getting it into the hands of our customers so they can do what they do with passion and less friction? That's why I do what I do. And you do it well. I um, I remember when I first sat in one of your sessions uh, where you were going through sales and marketing. And it's amazing because the whole first portion of the session was about mindset mm -hmm. and how getting that right first is so much more important than the tactical stuff that comes later. Well, the reality is without mindset, nothing works. And part of the reason why, and since that your theme this year is fear and the unknowns of business and as business owners, I want you, I want to position this for our listener as business owners, we create a future that does not yet exist using methods that have not yet been invented where best practices have not yet been established. No wonder you're afraid. <laughs> you are doing things that have never, that have never been done before. And anytime that you step off a cliff into the dark, you're always going to have some sense of fear and understand that, that the most successful entrepreneurs and solopreneurs are those that feel the fear and realize the fear is there to do one thing and one thing only pay attention. That's the only trigger fear is there for. And when we mislabel label fear as something that we need to avoid, that's when things just go crazy and fall apart. But if you can just put into context the real purpose of fear in your life, pay attention, then all of a sudden you're going to feel it and do it anyway, because the probability of learning something is way higher than the probability of going back for a J-O-B. <laughs> yeah, amen to that. That's so true. And thank you for just kind of harnessing that uh, conversation because this season is about how to understand fear and what to do with the discomfort that is around it in our business. So as we as solopreneurs are out there doing our thing and a lot of us work in vacuums, you know, we have home offices, we don't have a peer to peer community to actually bounce a lot of things off. And that's why I've created the Simplify and Multiply Peer Club, because I yeah. want people to have a place that they can safely share and ask questions and comment on the things that are really 
disrupting their flow and getting them to perform in ways that they envisioned when they first started building their business. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah. Really, that's beautiful. Yeah, we go into business because we have a passion. Mm. Or, or because we have no other, or we have <laughs> no other option, and that's okay too. A lot of people go into business because I, if I don't, uh, if I don't make some money, I, I don't eat, yeah. and and that's okay too. Uh, it whatever the purpose is for you to go into business, start that as your initial fuel. But we have to keep feeding the passion. As as small business owners, the passion is the beginning of everything we do, and. It starts with passion and let's define passion. And then I want to, I want to take you through the process because this is going to help you go back to that place where the, where you can feel the fear and do it anyway. So, so passion is defined as torture. That's what the root word is torture. And the way you find that is what is the thing you think about most? That's your passion. The thing that occupies the most of your time, the thing that keeps you awake at night, the thing that makes you spring out of bed in the morning, that is your passion. And that's the place that we can harness that fantastic energy within our hearts that allows us to go out and change a portion of the world. And so you need to be operating out of that position. Otherwise, whatever you do becomes a J-O-B. And don't get me wrong, J-O-B is not a dirty word, but it is for, for people that are trying to make a change in a particular place. Yes. So, so the passion is where it starts. Then from that passion, we create focus. And that's the reason why it occupies our mind. It's usually a single idea, single thought. And that focus is what allows us to take the energy and create the point of a fulcrum. Now, the way we get leverage requires a fulcrum. You have to have a place to put the lever to actually move it. And that's what a lot of people miss is that, that when we're trying to create leverage, there has to be a point on which that lever sits. And that point is your passion. So that's the reason why we have to keep the passion sharp. That's why we have to keep the focus sharp. And then from that passion and that focus, then we create effectiveness. And the effectiveness is what we get paid for. That's how we turn passion into payment through the focus and effectiveness. So what usually happens is we're down here chugging along in effectiveness and, and the world throws all kinds of things at us, uh, like uh, the IRS and lawsuits and competition and health issues and employee issues and, 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 and we get lost in this trying to make things effective and we lose our passion. And anytime you feel afraid or you feel unknown, that's when it's time to stop, take a breath, and refresh your passion. Do you have some examples of where you've really seen people do that well? Well, you know, I'll give you an example that's almost universal. Why do believers of a certain faith choose to refresh that faith on a weekly basis and sometimes twice a week. Do they really need to refresh their passion that often? Yes. <laughs> if, if you're going to have a faith, you have to go back and refresh it on a regular basis because the world chips away at your faith. And keep in mind that faith is the glue that holds together the invisible 
until you transform it into uh, that that holds together the invisible until you transform it into the visible. Faith is what allows us to take our vision and turn it into reality. Because without faith, a belief in something we cannot see, something we cannot touch, that's what allows us to create something that we can see and that we can touch. And so there's high parallels between a spiritual or religious organization and what we do for a living. So what that means is that we as solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, have to go back to the well to refresh our faith. And we do that by journaling by revisiting our vision, by revisiting our purpose, by revisiting our passion. And from that place, then we can, again, have the focus, what are we going to accomplish that's significant today? And we can have the effectiveness. Customers go, I am so glad that I found you. Thank you for being here. So it requires daily work. And if you forget it, and you don't go back to refresh your passion, then you're going to have miserable days. So, you know, I, I sit down in my chair and I pull out the, the books that I find inspiration in and I write my journal and I sit down and I create my focus list. And that's the only way I can stay on point. And when I don't do that, it goes to hell in a handbasket. Even after I've been doing this for 27, 37 years. Oh my gosh, 37 years. I say it goes to hell in a handbasket. You have to do it every day. So when you look at people, I actually had an interview and I talked about this in season one where the solo, you know, starts off on their journey. However they get started, they get started. They start doing it. They have some wins. They start growing their business. And depending on where they are in that cycle, uh, it starts becoming like a job. Yeah, it right. becomes more like drudgery. Yeah. And even if they are doing things that try to keep their spirit alive, there does come a point in the solo's journey in their business where they need an injection of passion. And sometimes it's hard to self-generate that. Mm-hmm. And so what are some of the other things that they can do to actually do that? And then I want to get on to back to our topic around fear and discomfort around dealing with that, because a lot of times the, the, the need to grow requires you to do something uncomfortable, something mm-hmm. out of your uh, happy zone. Mm-hmm. And that usually leads to the best growth you could have, which could mm-hmm. actually in and of itself reinvigorate your passion. Yes. So how when, when someone's in that situation where they're like, I know I need this bump, I know I'm going to have to get uncomfortable, but I'm afraid. So speak to that. Gladly. Well, there's two elements to this that you have to consider. Number one, your internal source. All right. Why are you doing this? And that's the, that's the work that you have to do on a regular basis. And if you skip it, then you're going to, without a doubt, it's going to drain away. You're going to lose yourself. So you have to go back to why am I doing this? What is my objective? And from a solopreneur standpoint, we call that mission. What's my life mission? What do I want my life to be like? What is the lifestyle I want to live? What's the legacy I want to leave? It sounds trite, but the reality is that is the fundamental focus of what we have to go back to. Those so are feel, drivers. Yeah. Indeed. If you feel lost, then it, it means that you've lost sight of your compass. And so that's the internal work that you have to do. Then the, the other part is the external work. And that is talking to people who have similar vision. 
And in this particular case, what you must do is reach out to people whose history is your future. Mm. Because they've been through the roller coaster. They've been through the ringer. They have been through the mess. And so they can help you not only with a mindset, but potentially with solutions that you haven't thought of yet because you haven't had the scars, bruises, or liver damage that doing this <laughs> business does. So, so, so nobody can give you advice if A, they haven't done it before, mm. and B, it's not a passion of theirs. Because what connects our objective to the steps we take is context. And that's a piece that most entrepreneurs miss. The context is the history, the environment, the experience, and the resources that set up the link between what we, attention, what we intend to accomplish and how we accomplish that outcome. So find people who have had similar context to what you're attempting to accomplish, and you'd be surprised how rapidly they can pick you up, dust you off, pat you on your bottom, hand, although today we can't do that anymore, hand you a $100 <laughs> bill and say, be on your way. Yeah. Well, you, I guess that you can do it on the football field, but can't do it anywhere else. So, <laughs> so, so the reality is that we have to have both this internal practice of keeping ourselves on track, as well as the external practice of finding those like you and me who have history and are willing to reach out and share our wisdom with people who will do something with it. So, yeah, be yep. no, I was just going to say, sorry to interrupt. Um, and that's, what's so wonderful about having a mentor or having an inspired guide to, uh, to use as that compass realigner, so to speak, you know, just kind of come into the magnetic north and getting it back realigned. Uh, but a lot of times people don't realize they need that mm -hmm. and they get caught up in the grind of their work and like, I've got to keep my pipeline full. You know, this is how I support myself. And they end up letting it go too long. Yeah. And then it becomes a, a point of fear and discomfort around that. Well, sure. Sure. And, and you know, one of the ways to do that is as uh, the way that I help myself through these things is I identify certain feelings that I have to pay attention to. That's how we started the conversation. Fear means pay attention. So uh, the other thing for me is that when I say the F word, it means pay attention. Because I know when I start to swear, it means I've lost sight of something. That frustration, okay, that's the other F word, <laughs> means, mm -hmm. means that, it, that I don't have enough information or I've forgotten something. So don't let it go too far. When you get frustrated, that's the time you take a breath, take a time out, go back to your, your true north and say, okay, what do I need to know to get through this? And you start by writing down what you know, write down what you know. And from that list, you'll figure out the gap. And from that gap, you'll figure out who to reach out to. And those people will gladly, with all of their joy, share the wisdom that they got the hard way to help you take it the easy way. So as uh, part of the challenge that we face as, as entrepreneurial souls is we feel like we have to do it all. In fact, that's one of the curses yeah. of the entrepreneur. Well, yes. the reality is, is we can do it all. I can do everything in my business, everything, including the taxes. Heck, you even edit your own shows. Heck, I, do. I, used, <laughs> I, I used to edit my own shows. We can do everything. The problem mm -hmm. that, we, that we get into is that we feel like we have to do everything if we're going to be a success. 
And the reality is that ultimately we have to make the, the pivot away from wanting to do, being able to do everything to directing the outcome. And that's the pivot from the entrepreneurial mindset to the executive mindset, which is one of my areas of expertise is helping people bring on the, the mindset, skill set, and tool set of an, of a, an executive, even as an entrepreneur, so that you can get away from having to do everything. And that's, that's a really key point. I'm so glad that you centered on that because there is a point when solos will get where they're like, okay, I need to start farming things out, or I need to start building a team, even if it's subcontractors or what have you. However you execute it is irrelevant at this point. It's like you're making that decision to be the director, as you were saying. However, the fear that comes in for, and I've heard this from many solos I've talked to, is that they don't have the revenue in their business to actually do that. So it's like a catch-20. Uh, you know, They end up getting stuck in this cycle of, well, I got to do all the work myself, but then they don't have enough time to actually go out and get business. And it just goes around and around and they don't see an end. And so it's, it's part the reality of their situation. And it's also the reality of they're afraid to actually let go. Right. And I'm, I'm the first one to admit I'm a perfectionist with the quality of work that I produce. And it's been really difficult for me to let go of some of the things that I've actually very pat on my pat myself on the back been able to actually let go and i've been fortunate enough to find people that do really good work uh so what do you tell that person that's in that situation where they they have that catch-22 thing going on and they're like well i can't rob peter to pay paul and and what do i do terry will be right back with the rest of the show in just a moment Season two of the Simplify and Multiply show is all about dealing with fears and unknowns in business. And no one knows the reality of staring fear in the face better than a solopreneur. That's why I created a community where solos could gather in a judgment-free safe space that is overflowing with people who are facing similar challenges unique to a solopreneur. We all need to support one another and I can't think of a more positive environment than that of solo professionals growing their businesses. This is why I created the Simplify and Multiply Peer Club. If you are a solo, no matter where you are in your business, starting out or leveling up, I invite you to join us in the Peer Club for the support, the community, and the inspiration solo professionals need to thrive. Visit simplifyandmultiply.com and sign up to be part of this very special group. All right. So I'm going to give you a couple of pieces of, of wisdom to consider. Uh, some you're going to like, and some you're going to love, uh, and some you're going to hate. So the, the first piece of advice is if you don't have enough money to hire somebody, you're substantially undercharging. You need to raise your rates. So marketing 101. That's a point of fear. Oh, I'm going to jump all over that. That's a point of fear for a lot of people. I get clients in here and they're like, I charge blah, blah, blah for that. And I'm like, you need to triple it. Right on. And they're like, oh, and they were like deer in the headlights. There's like, oh my God. And the first thing they think is they're going to lose their, the clients they have. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. But I've done that in my own business. And I probably could have been even more aggressive with my price increases than I actually was because I had that same fear. And especially with longstanding clients and anchor clients, you know, like an anchor tenant in a mall, it's like, you don't want to piss them off because that's like 50% of your business. <laughs> well, of course, that's a red flag. If you have more than 10% of your business with a single client, you are unsus unsustainable and unscalable. And oh, yeah. it's, it's, that is a time bomb ready to go off. 
And so I, I have been fried by that when back in the mid aughties, uh, we had a team of 35 people. We had uh, 13 trainers on the road. We did 500 events for Hewlett Packard worldwide. I remember you talking about that. Yeah. Oh yeah. And of course, when the uh, 2009 hit and HP pulled all external contracts, it, it blew us up because 90% of our business at that time, that was way, way, way too much, but we didn't think it would ever end because we were so successful at what we did. We, we were so successful that we didn't even consider, consider the politics, which is what killed us. Mm. It wasn't our performance. It was the politics. So as, um, as solopreneurs, we have to make sure that we have a balanced portfolio of, of, uh, of customers coming in. Otherwise you can be put out of business overnight. And that was, that was a massive learning for me. So, uh, so yeah, I actually learned that when I worked for an ad agency, we had, IBM was our 90% client. And when they went away, they shut the firm down. That's right. And it's irrecoverable at that point because you just don't have mm-hmm. the cash flow to go out there and find new clients. So yep. part of our process has to be always looking for new clients to come in. And so, so first of all, raising your rates. And while you might have a lot of fear about raising your rates, keep in mind that uh, you can lose a lot of business if you can raise your fees without raising your underlying expenses. And so there's a formula around that that's actually really straightforward. Um, I don't have it handy right here, but you know, if you want, I can give people, um, I can send you the spreadsheet that we can post to this uh, as a link where you can plug in your expenses and take a look at what the, uh, the decrease in sales that's permissible for an increase in price rate and still have the same profit margin. And ultimately, oh, that's, definitely. and so we'll get that in there and you can take a look, but it's stunning. A lot of people don't realize how much leverage there is in just raising rates. So that's the first thing you can do. That's going to give you the capital you need to hire people or to outsource a portion of this. So um, that's one way of doing it. And, and if you're saying, I, there's no, Mark, there's no way that I can raise my rates. Well, then add more value. What can you bring to the party that makes you worth more? And so that's, that's an important com- consideration. Uh, the second thing is do a workflow analysis. Take out a piece of paper. And every hour, set an alarm on your phone. And when the phone alarm goes off, jot down what you are doing. That's all there is to it. It's just that simple. And you're going to find you're going to be doing you're going to be doing things that generate profit. You're going to be doing things that are essentially overhead that don't generate profit. And you're going to find things that you're doing that are generating um, customer intake. All those elements. Figure out where you're spending your time. Look at that sheet, color code it, and very quickly you're going to figure out where you are not generating money. And as the entrepreneur, if you're not generating money, you got to outsource that. Yes. And so that way you can free up the time to do more money generating activities. And so it's very easy to figure out what you should do and what you can't do. And just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. Now, one of the ways to figure out where to invest your time is to take a look at uh, how much you are worth personally in this business. So for every million dollars that you bring in, you're responsible for $480 per hour of revenue. That's why lawyers charge $500 an hour. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really pretty straightforward. If you charge 500 bucks an hour, you're doing a million dollars in billings as, a, as an attorney. And attorneys don't do anything unless they're billing. They have everybody else <laughs> do everything else so they don't have that. Now you can scale that down. So if you're making $100,000 a year, that means that you're 40 you're worth $49 an hour essentially, 448 dollars an hour. 
So you don't want to be doing anything that, um, that you could bill out for less than that because you're way more valuable doing higher value behaviors and then letting somebody else do it for less money. So this is a way that you can put the, the dollars to the road here on figuring out how to, uh, to do that. All right. Then the third thing is go sit down with somebody who has a business like yours and ask them how they grew. How did they navigate this to, to where they now have this uh, lifestyle business or this operation that is producing the, the revenues that they want? So just a quick recap, raise your rates. Number two, do a workflow analysis to figure out where you can get them some things off your plate so you can do more valuable behaviors. And number three, get some advice. Yeah, that's great. Three great steps of how to kind of break that down. And I know that when I've been faced with fearful situations in the past, not necessarily related to my business, one of the things that always got me through it was having as many facts under control as possible and to really make it almost like a science. Mm -hmm. uh, like, for example, when my husband Chuck was going through cancer treatment and I was just scared to death he was going to die, he wasn't going to make it and all this. And the thing that got both of us through it was having a plan, sitting down and understanding everything that was involved with the treatment and what we were doing and our strategy, making sure our personal affairs were in order. So we were at least doing something where we had that element of control and we were able to make better decisions as opposed to just being you know, dragged along by the emotional terror of the experience. And even though that's an extreme example, it's something that can uh, be used as an, an analogy in this situation when a solopreneur is facing frustration with growth or frustration around doing more than they really want to do. Mm -hmm. And of course, we want to bootstrap in the beginning. We want to do all the stuff that we've been doing uh, to get things going because we just are just getting started out. But once sure. a business matures, it's time to take a look at uh, process improvement, efficiencies, and to increase that profit margin. Indeed. And that takes some, uh, you got to land the airplane to work on the engine. So part of that, you have to figure out some downtime that you can get that done. But you're absolutely right. It's the more you know, the more that you can have a plan, the, the less fear that there is. So a question that I ask everybody that I work with for the very first time is number one, what do you want to do that's significant? And that way we can figure out what their objective is. And then we can work towards that significance. Number two, do you have a business plan? Now, what do you think is the percentage of people that say, yes, I have a business plan? Oh, next to none. Same next amount of people that have a funded marketing <laughs> budget. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is question number three. That's right. So yeah. So, so the, the problem here is that most people don't have a plan. If they have a plan, it was a multi-page thing that they built and then they haven't looked at it since. And my approach is very simple. I have a single page business plan. Side one is my strategy, what I want to accomplish and why I want to accomplish it. That is the source of my passion. Side two is the tactical implementation, which are the seven areas that I'm going to pay attention to every day that drive a business. And so from that standpoint, I've got a plan that I can update, I can tweak, I can tune, I can build this business plan for anybody in about two hours. It's just that easy, just that fast. Anytime somebody comes to me and says, Mark, I'd like to do a project, I'll, I'll do a 20 minute version of the business plan. It's not as complete, but doesn't matter because it gives us at least direction and we can agree that this is where we're going to head. 
And you can use that on Monday morning to pull out and say, is this still what I want to do? Yep. Okay. What, where do I need to work on this today? It's here. So that's, that's the, that helps immensely. Next is, as you've pointed out, number three is, do you have a formal funded marketing plan? And most people say, no, how do you get your business? Word of mouth. Oh, that always just sends a shiver up my spine. I get so mm. many clients that come to me, well, I run a referral-based business. And I'm like, okay, great. You are perfect for me. <laughs> That's right. Because the reality is referral-based business is an oxymoron. Mm. Because you have delegated, relegated, abdicated your business flow outside of your organization to your customers who have no necessary reason to do anything whatsoever for you. They pay you for a service. You don't pay them for a service. So referral business is magnificent, but it is not sustainable. It's not scalable. And it is certainly not saleable. If you wanted to sell your company and uh, the buyer says, so what's your marketing plan? They say, we do a referral. They walk, they'll get up and walk away from the table. Yeah. They don't want to have anything to do with you because they're not going to buy a business that's based on referrals. They're going to buy a business that's based on a marketing machine that they pour in uh, money at the top end and dollars flow out the bottom and times a multiplier that is the business. And has data backing it up. Right on. That's what's required. So uh, one of the reasons why a lot of uh, solopreneurs and entrepreneurs don't have enough money is because they don't have a marketing machine. And you got to have that regular cadence of customers walking in the door with cash. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to ever sustain this or scale it or grow it. So that's, that's what we have to focus on. And with those, then you have a whole lot less fear. When you have a regular cadence of customers walking in the door, I tell you what, that solves a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. A lot of the fear goes away. And... You know, if you, if a customer walks in the door and you're not smiling, it's time to raise your rates. So <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Nice visual. I like and, that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I've, I have had customers that we, we charge them the PETA fee, the pain in the ass fee. And, oh. uh, just because they were hard to work with, but that's okay. Uh, yeah. they, they still were willing to pay it in that point in time that I could offload a lot of that. Yeah. So, so th I, I think we've covered an awful lot of interesting ground about here, handling fears and unknowns in, in business. Yeah. And what I want to bring it, I want to bring it out of the stands and onto the court a little more closer to your world. And I'd love to hear you speak to how, uh, and, and you may have like nailed this in your life and like, it's not a problem, the big F anymore for you. However, I would love to know how you deal with the fears and unknowns in your business. All right. So the, the, I actually, it's interesting that you asked me this question because that was this week's blog post and it related a story of one of my consulting clients that called me up in just a panic because he was about ready to explode and he had lost a couple of employees to another, uh, another company that was paying a substantially higher fee and he had to take up all the slack. So he was overworking and he was overcaffeinated and he was just about ready to burst. And, and so, you know, he called because that that's what he does. He calls when he has some challenges. And so he was looking for a shoulder that was, uh, somebody could pick him up and give him some wisdom. I, I gave him some, and would you like to hear the three pieces of advice I gave him in that particular situation? Yes. All right. So number one is we had to stop and have him put on his oxygen mask. We can't do anything until we have the cognitive capacity and the energy 
to face a decision. George S. Patton said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. And if you are fatigued, which is another F word, you are going to feel fear. Now, isn't that an interesting combination? So if you're feeling afraid, it may mean just pay attention. It's time for you to stop. So Scott Adams, in his extraordinary book, uh, How to Fail at Almost Everything and Still Win Big, just a fantastic book. He reveals the three secrets to all success, and they're going to surprise you. It's rest, nutrition, and exercise. Love it. <laughs> he Love point, it. Because he points out that if you don't have the, the brain power and the energy, you can't do anything. You cannot be successful whatsoever. So the first thing I did is I sent this guy, I said, go to the gym, go sweat, go breathe. Stop by Whole Foods, pick up some yummy food, and go sleep for eight hours. Everything else can wait. So there was nothing he could do till we could get him back into a centered, safe, sane place. Mm -hmm. And there are very few things, friends, that you can't either wait or renegotiate. Exceptions are made, ask for them. A critical concept in negotiation. So if you've got a customer with a deadline coming forth and you have got to get some rest, ask for a little more time. Sometimes they'll say no. Most of the times they'll say, oh, we don't need that for another week. Okay. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so much of it's self-imposed stress. Of course it is. So if yeah. that's step one, put on your oxygen mask. All right. Step two, we've already talked about, and that is write down what you know. Mm. So I had him write down the things that are going well in the business. He's got great margins. He's got good customer flow. Um, the customers are happy. Okay, so why is that the case? Well, he's priced right. Uh, he's got a marketing plan that's working. He's got systems. All of those support those elements. Okay, then what's the gap? That's step three. Where's the gap? And so I gave him a three-pronged plan, which I'm not going to reveal because it's confidential, yet you can probably pretty well figure out based on our conversation, some of the approaches that we, uh, <laughs> that I recommended to him. And of course he walked away saying, this is brilliant. I know exactly what I need to do. He went off to the gym. And so he's already solved a couple of those problems just out of the, out of the shoot, but he couldn't get there because he was so stuck because he was out of energy. Yeah. He needed that oxygen. Indeed. He needed that oxygen. So, yeah. so one of the things that you can do is you can have processes that'll help you recover, but it's really good to have a coach in your corner. And remember uh, the, the role of a coach isn't to make you wrong. It's to make you strong. And so that's the role that I love to play in uh, my client's life is to help pick them up, dust them off, pat them on the butt and say, here's a hundred bucks. Now go out there and kill them. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Mark, you've given so much valuable information and very structured that is going to be so beneficial to uh, the Simplify and Multiply audience. I really appreciate it. Let me just wrap up by asking you two questions, uh, and these are specific to you in your business. And the first question is, what in your business would you like to simplify? Oh, what a great question. And I'm in the middle of working on that right now. What I am simplifying is my intake for my clients. And part of it used to be because I was winging it. Now what I want to do is systematize it. So when, when we have conversations, it is more of a systematic approach and 
and simplify, eliminate, and automate without a doubt are, is an executive strategy. And, and so I'm in that business of simplifying that and doing some automation. And uh, it, it, boy, got more work to do, but we're on the way. Yeah, that's interesting you say that because I actually created that about two years ago in my business where once I came up with a, a good product strategy, the first product is is that intake. And, you know, we're both consultants, right? So we need that discovery. We need to do that due diligence with our clients to really get a good feel for what they're up to, where they're going. So anything that you're doing more than once in a business needs to be a system. Absolutely and right. So what I did was I created my intake as an an automated form process that had videos that I tutorialized along with it. And so when this new client comes on and they they get started, I send them this link and they fill it out. And it actually is incredibly thought provoking for them. A lot of them come away from the experience with a lot of value. And at the end, I have them do the five voices assessment. So I can actually get an idea of what their leading voice is. And then it makes it that much easier for me to understand their communication style and where their orientation is. And it doesn't go into all the, you know, like Myers-Briggs or strength finders where it gets very complicated and convoluted. And it's so powerful and it's a great way to get started. And it saves me hours and hours of work. So that's one area that I did this, something very similar. Right on. And that's exactly the same thing. It's that matter of, I, I need my clients to have a certain baseline to work with us. Uh, I, I need to understand them. And they also need to have some language. We need to have that common language. So to automate that is, is a big deal. And, and may I share with the listener one idea, if you're in the, in the consulting world like you, we are, mm-hmm. and it's actually very simple. When I have an initial conversation with somebody who wants to do work with me, what I look for is, do they use the word, yeah, but? Mm. That is a red flag. No, thank you. I don't think I can help. Interesting. And the Why reason- that? Because yeah, but indicates that they have a fixed past view that they cannot let go of. And Mm. they blame other things outside of themselves for their circumstances. I can only, I can only work with people that take responsibility are willing to try new things. And if they can't, it's going to fail because they're just going to defend their old position and not take my advice for the new position. That's going to get them where they want to go. So there's, there's a little teeny weeny piece that I have found is the magic uh, separator between those I can work with and those that I would rather send someplace else. Oh man, that right there, Mark, is a huge piece of gold for the for the audience to get. So, uh, and I I need to remind myself of that as well. But I know exactly what you're talking about. That's so, great. Yeah, so but <laughs> so here's how you do that: you grab a three by five card, you put yeah, but, and then put a no symbol, and you stick it up on your monitor until it's just part of your culture. Yeah. All right. Exactly. What's, what's your second question? The last question is, what in your business would you like to multiply? Oh, that's actually really simple. Me. (laughs) (laughs) And and there is a path to that. And I did it in the past when I did the events for Hewlett Packard. I multiplied myself times 13 when I put those trainers on the road because I created all the content and the processes and everything else. And so my plan as we move forward in the future is to teach other people how to use the executive strategy skills and help others into that. It'll be a three-phase program and it'll take me about five years to get all that plus stuff into play. But my goal is to have thousands of little marks running around, providing wisdom and insight through specific processes that can help entrepreneurs and solopreneurs grow their business to whatever level they feel is successful. 
I love it. You're very clear on that. And I'd like to help you do it in three years. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I love Listen, it. Mark, it's, it's been such a pleasure. And I always enjoy talking with you and hearing your great wisdom. And thank you for sharing a little bit of it, actually a lot of it for our audience today. And I hope to have you back. Thank you so much for being here. So does that mean I passed the audition? Yes. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for joining me. You know, being a solo can be incredibly rewarding when you have the right guidance, resources, and community to help drive your business vision. The great news is that's exactly what you'll get with Simplify and Multiply. You've just listened to another episode of the Simplify and Multiply show with Terry Pappy. If you want to get free marketing and business development tips, templates, trainings, and more, head over to SimplifyAndMultiply.com and sign up. Learn how you can grow your business the easy way. That's SimplifyAndMultiply.com to join our growing community of amazing, talented solopreneurs out to simplify their business, multiply their income, and make a big impact in the solopreneur economy.